Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. As you can probably tell, I'm a little under the weather this week, so my voice is a bit off. Hopefully, I'll be able to get through things before everything turns to whisper. So let's give it a go. Having won an Olympic gold medal, over 100 tournaments, and 22 Grand Slam titles, tennis player Rafael Nadal is regarded by many to be one of the all-time tennis greats. But Nadal is also considered to be one of the more eccentric players on the tour, with a whole collection of rituals and quirks that have made him the object of some good-natured teasing at times. At first glance, his quirky rituals might seem to fall into the category of superstition. And sure, maybe that's part of it, but Nadal is by no means alone in this. Many athletes across a wide range of different sports engage in some sort of pre-performance routine before executing a skill, from basketball players to golfers to place kickers in football. And for most, it's something that they have deliberately choreographed and practiced as part of their mental game plan a way to take their mind off of the pressure of the situation and shift their attention to the task at hand. We've explored the value of such routines before on the podcast, but when it comes to using these routines under pressure, there's one question that often comes up, and that's the question of consistency, as in how much does the consistency of the routine matter? Like, if you have a routine that takes 17 seconds in the practice room, does it also need to be exactly 17 seconds on stage? Will it be disruptive if you decide to take an extra breath on stage? And what happens if you accidentally leave out one of the elements of your routine? A pair of researchers decided to take a look at this exact question by analyzing game film of NBA players shooting high-stakes free throws. 14 games from the 2006 NBA playoffs were selected for inclusion in the study. Specifically, the seven-game Western Conference semifinal series between the Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Clippers, and the other semifinal series between the Dallas Mavericks and San Antonio Spurs. And why these particular games? Well, during the 2005-2006 season, the Suns were among the better free-throw shooting teams in the league at 81%, and the Spurs were among the worst at 70%. So the researchers figured that these games would feature a nice mix of players of various free-throw shooting ability. Scanning through the games, they identified 15 players who shot at least 10 free throws over the course of each seven-game series. They then analyzed game footage to come up with two key measures for each free throw. Measure one was how long did each routine take. Routine duration was defined as the amount of time a player had possession of the ball, 
from the time he received the ball from the referee to the moment the ball left his hand as he attempted a shot. Measure two was what did each routine look like? The researchers also recorded the sequence of behaviors the athlete engaged in before each shot, each dribble, each spit of the ball, or pause, or other movement with the ball, like kissing it or moving it to one side, or other movement without the ball, like taking a deep breath or wiping the sweat off of one's forehead, or even glancing at the basketball hoop, all of this was faithfully noted. So did either of these measures matter when it came to free throw shooting accuracy? Well, on average, each free throw lasted about 6.05 seconds. But sometimes a player would shoot a free throw sooner than they normally would. And at other times, they would take longer than usual to shoot the ball. And how much did this variance and duration matter? Well, it seems like it didn't matter much either way, as duration wasn't associated with any real differences in performance. Free throw success rate remained pretty much the same whether a player used a shorter routine at 82%, their regular length routine at about 82% once again, or one that was longer than normal at about 78%. But what about the routine itself? How much would the consistency of behaviors matter? Well, researchers watched each player's free throws to determine their dominant pre-performance routine. This was defined as a sequence of actions that they performed before at least half of their free throw attempts. Something like, you know, bouncing the ball three times, spinning it backwards in their hands, pausing, looking at the basket, taking a deep breath, bending their knees, and then shooting. With a dominant pattern identified for each player, they were then able to categorize each free throw as either sequence followed or sequence not followed, based on whether the player executed these actions in the same order or if they added or omitted any actions, like leaving out the bounce or adding in a shoulder shrug, etc. Players did use their dominant routine most of the time, 81.17% of the time to be exact. But that leaves a fair number of free throws where players changed up the order of the sequence or added or omitted elements to their routine. And this absolutely was associated with a difference in performance. When players stuck with their dominant routine, they made about 84% of their free throws. But when players deviated from their dominant routine, they only made about 71% of their free throws. And that's pretty interesting, but how much of a difference does 13% make in practical terms? The authors note that in the 14 playoff games examined in the study, each team shot an average of about 29 free throws per game, and that a difference of about 13% in free throw shooting percentage would translate into a little over 3.5 points per game. And since four of the 14 games were decided by four points or less, and both series went the full seven games, it's possible that the outcome of each series could have been affected, maybe, by whether a player adhered to their dominant pre-free throw routine or not. Food for thought if you're a Spurs or Clippers fan, or were at least back in 2006. Incidentally, if you're wondering what happened, the Mavs and Suns won their series, and the Mavs eventually fell to the Heat in the NBA Finals. So what are we to do with all this information? Well, whether you realize it or not, you probably have some sort of a pre-performance routine already. Maybe you wipe your hands before you start playing, or you take a moment to breathe, or you think about the tempo of a particular section before you begin playing. This routine might be completely unintentional, though, or it may be inconsistent from one performance to the next, or one piece, or one excerpt to the next. So the next step in optimizing the consistency of your playing may be to become more intentional about your pre-performance routine, too, and identifying elements that are most helpful in getting into a better headspace and physical state in these last moments before you start playing. And if you already do have a routine that works for you, especially if you're preparing for an audition, whether it's an orchestral position or a college audition, it may be helpful to videotape yourself starting the various excerpts or repertoire on your list. 
not just to add a touch of pressure, but to see how consistently you execute your pre-performance routine from one excerpt or piece to the next one. After all, auditions go by so quickly that anything you can do to get off to a good start instead of needing a few lines to play your way into a more comfortable place can make for a much more positive experience on stage. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.